With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Thanks to everyone for all the responses to our hype management show last week. The more I think about things, 15-0 is definitely not out of the question this year. <laughs> That's not hype, Honky. That's just <laughs> Honky. <laughs> uh, well, you know, hype, that hype management show did get a great response, and we actually talked a little bit more about hype and the management of it with uh, Derek Peterson uh, this week. Uh, we recorded with the Varsity Club podcast, right, Honky? Yeah, last night we went down to uh, the Hill Varsity offices down there in the rail yard and in the Haymarket, and Dave was able to call in from Denver, and we had Boomer Mac and I there with Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson. So that was a lot of fun, uh, something new for us. And so we wanted Dave uh, and I wanted at least – put something out there this week for the Redcast, and that's what we're doing right here. And This will be kind of a, a condensed show for us, but you know, you're really going to hear a lot from us on Friday when that show drops. That's right. We're a little shorthanded here, just being honky. Uh, kind of just treat this as an appetizer, a, a preview of <laughs> a full hour probably of the Varsity Club podcast featuring the Go Big Redcast, all four of us on there. And uh, it was cool because, I mean, Hell Varsity does a lot of great stuff. Uh, they have a lot of great articles. Mm-hmm. Um, they do the radio show with Chris Schmidt. And uh, so it was cool to be on there. And, um, yeah, it's, it's great to work with those guys. And, uh, you know, we touched on, you know, basketball and football there. Honky basketball-wise, we got some news today where we have a, a transfer, Kobe King, who uh, played at Wisconsin just this year, actually, um, has announced that he's uh, coming to Nebraska, and they're going to try to get him immediately eligible to play next year. Yeah, that'd be uh, he'd be eligible for two years. Average double digits in his career at Wisconsin. I think they said 10 points a game. We take that right now, right? Yeah, he's, uh, I think, Wisconsin basketball player of the year in high school, a top 120 type recruit, I think, by 247. So he's definitely... Talent, and he's proven he can score in the Big Ten. To your point, he's been averaging 10 points a game for the Badgers. Yeah, and he adds to that 2020 class right now that sits at three players, uh, Kobe King, Teddy Allen, the guard from Western Nebraska that was originally uh, Boys Town and via West Virginia, via Wichita State. He's had a few stops. Yeah, but a great article they had on him in the World Herald, I think it was Chris Hetty, uh, did a really nice article on kind of the, the life and the challenges that Teddy's gone through, but that, you know, he realizes the opportunity he has in front of him here, and, and he's taking this very serious, and he's taking it very serious out there in Scott's Bluff. And obviously for selfish reasons and also for for the kid personally, I you know, I hope nothing but the best for him. I hope he is able to, you know, succeed wildly here, and the risk is worth the reward there. And the other guy in that class is Lat Mayen, or Mayen, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's M-A-Y-E-N, but he's a 6'9", 205-pound power forward. And he's a junior college guy, too. So this next class next year, at least as it currently stands, it's three players, but all of them are basically junior eligible players. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, Honky, you had a tweet uh, today that uh, kind of old school wise, just you wrote out uh, the potential roster for next year. And uh, yeah, it, it does look like a d- dramatically improved uh, roster. So that's uh, good to see. And, you know, you have a couple of players there. Teddy Allen, again, who has Division One experience at both West Virginia and, well, he never played at Wichita State, but um, very high talent there. In fact, his brother, uh, that article is interesting. Timmy, his younger brother, actually plays at Utah mm-hmm. and uh, is very successful there. So you really, he should be able to translate his game from the JUCO ranks to the Big Ten. And then with Kobe King, it's interesting. He obviously uh, had some issues there with Greg Gard in, in Wisconsin. And if I'm not mistaken, he might have been at the center of, you remember there was a the basketball strength coach got dismissed at Wisconsin oh, yeah. um, for some controversial issues where he uh, used a, a, a racial epithet and whatnot. I believe Kobe King might have transferred or asked for his release directly after that. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's why I believe they think that they can get him immediately eligible because it's almost similar to a Justin Fields oh, scenario. Georgia, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, and the other player there, Lat Man, that I was telling you about, he was a TCU transfer. So, oh, yeah. you know, another guy, all those guys, actually, those three have some Power 5 experience. And just in general, a, a team right now where if you look at our, our big guys, I mean, we were playing two freshmen, Cross and Yvonne, and they're playing earlier than they probably should be, but they're getting that experience. Well, next year, I counted up. We have five guys that are going to be six eight or taller. And we have nine guys that are six six or taller. Just based off of this current roster as is, I I anticipate there will be a, a little bit of attrition after this season. That's normal at any school anymore. But currently, I mean, as is, I mean, there's some serious size that we actually could have next year, and that depth can change how we play. And you know, right now we're playing like we have one big guy on the court, and you see that with yeah, how we bunch right. in under the hoop, and we're giving a bunch of easy threes in the process. Well, that might be able to kind of you know play that out as we get a little bit more height. Yeah, that's exactly right. We actually took a deep dive on that exact topic with Derek Peterson at, at the Varsity Club podcast. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're going to see how the team looks different next year because of the roster itself. Hopefully we can um, apply Hoiberg's principles across the board. All right, uh, football-wise, Honky, you know, we've got uh, the NFL Combine coming up, uh, I think just starting, and we've got multiple Huskers hopefully trying to improve their draft stock. Uh, We have three D linemen at the Combine, right? Both Davis Twins and Darian Daniels. And Lamar Jackson is also at the Combine, is that right? That's correct, four players. You know, Daniels, there's a nice article today just about how much he lost. He's like 311 pounds, I think he was 325 when he was playing for us. Looks smaller, looks thinner. But he also has like a huge wingspan, I guess. I didn't realize that as he was playing for us, but uh, his wingspan, you know, is 80 inches or something like that. They said, hopefully, for a team that is coming off of zero guys getting drafted, I mean, hopefully this is a chance that we can get at least two or three guys in. I'm I'm hoping all four of those guys can make it. And I'm still holding out some hope for a guy like uh, Muhammad Berry, too, who didn't make the combine. Yeah, that's a good point. It seems like if you get invited to the combine, you have a pretty good shot of getting drafted in, in the seven rounds. Who would have we had invited, say, last year to the combine? Did we have anyone? Yeah, Morgan went a year ago. Right. Yeah. And I th- I want to say Zigbo went as well. Um, I mean, we have had years where we've had guys go to the combine and not get drafted. It's not a guarantee by any means. Yeah, but, yeah. But holy smokes, I would like to think with us having four over there 
the Davis twins, both of them, they uh, came in at 308 and 311 pounds. I mean, they're big guys. And uh, and then whatever Jackson, whatever Lamar runs, I mean, if he gets a good 40 out there yep. at the size that he brings for the position, boy, he really has a chance. He could definitely be a second-day guy for sure, second or third round kind of guy. Yeah, if he runs a good 40, uh, his size is going to be hard to ignore by those scouts. You know, Hockey, uh, Darian Daniels, I think, tweeted out, you know, that he's getting ready for the Underwear Olympics. Uh, how well would you do in the Underwear Olympics yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I don't even know. Maybe you should ask Mrs. Honky. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I was going to say something with streak, but, I, you know, I don't even want to go there. The Huskers had a long streak of having guys get drafted. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, good stuff. So, Hockey, um, we are getting close to spring ball. Can you, uh, just off the top of your head, kind of give me a little bit of a rundown of uh, what the guys are doing right now on campus and when does spring ball start and kind of that schedule so everyone's on the same page? Yeah, so this is – we're basically going into the last weeks here of the winter conditioning program. Uh, I believe spring ball starts a week after the next. So that would be like March 9th or 10th, something like that. I don't have the exact dates in front of me. But around that time period it starts, it will go for a couple of weeks. And then you hit spring break. So they'll shut down spring ball for that week. And then they come back early August to mid-August is the the last you know half of, of spring ball. So there's like the coaches clinic weekend at the beginning of spring. And then a week goes by. And then I think it's like, you know, April 15th, 16th, whatever that date is in the middle of the month is uh, the spring game. And uh, Bill Moose has said that we probably had what 59,000 plus or minus tickets already sold to the spring game. Uh, not quite as uh, fast uh, as um, the last two years were sold out pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, depending on the weather, et cetera, we still could have a very strong showing, right? Yeah, I would, I would anticipate this being at least 70,000 people again. And that's... yeah. You know, if that's a down year for us at the spring game, that's <laughs> we're living pretty high on the hog. Yeah, that's the truth. You know, um, you're talking about the schedule, January and February, after they come back from the holiday break up to, you know, the first week of March, there's eight weeks of winter conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where Zach Duvall has these guys for eight weeks. And it, it was interesting. That, I don't know if you saw the article about the – controversy in the SEC that happened a couple of days ago where Kirby Smart has actually hired away Nick Saban's strength and conditioning coach during winter conditioning. He actually stole him during this, like right in between the process, right? <laughs> and uh, this guy, Scott Cochran, apparently has wanted to become a, a full-time assistant, not just a strength and conditioning coach, which I don't think is that common, to be honest with you. But uh, Kirby gave him a, a – I think he's going to coach special teams for Georgia – and um, so Alabama suddenly without their strength and conditioning head coach. That's pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. They always say the strength and conditioning coach is the head coach of the team during certain, yeah. certain parts of the year. He's so like the extension of the coach. Yep. During the summertime, he's definitely the head coach during those those months, right? And it's, of course, Kirby Smart doing this to his old boss. So it's just kind of a whatever. It's still crazy season with, with coaches. And you just learn to expect the unexpected. It, it can happen at any time. But, yeah, that one made more news than – than most uh, assistant coaches changing. This guy has been with Saban for all of his championships. He was even mm-hmm. with him with LSU. And, you know, I think Zach Duvall makes, I don't know, somewhere around probably three or 400000 right? The Iowa strength and conditioning coach who's been there f- forever is the highest paid, I think, and he makes eight or 900000 mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of surprised that 
if Saban really valued um, this guy, which it sounds like he did because he's had that continuity with him, that he'd be one of the highest paid strength and conditioning coaches out there, which would be at least on par, if not more than what you would typically have a special teams coach getting paid for. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just really curious. Well, it makes you wonder, too. Internally, you know, is he seeing something different going on there now? Is he looking at yeah. Saban and thinking, you know, he's going into his last couple of years and and Smarts has a long future ahead of him at Georgia? I mean, who knows, right? I mean, yep. what's going on in his head there? But I don't know. Interesting move. All right. Well, uh, other thing I wanted to touch on, I don't know about you, but uh, baseball, uh, we had a offer in San Diego, a very frustrating weekend down there in beautiful San Diego where uh, we, again, jumped out to a big lead in the first game. I think we were up 7 nothing versus uh, San Diego and uh, somehow still lost that game <laughs> at 12-11. Uh, and then we had two good solid pitching performances uh, the next two days, and we still lose. And so it is a little frustrating right now. I mean, I think you see some promise with this team, and, and I'm not ready to give up on them by any means. But it's more of a resume issue, I guess, in my opinion, at this point. You, you can... Uh, eventually catch up on the wins and loss column i suppose and we did last year and still made the tournament but you want to get some quality wins here and there was another opportunity lost um last weekend and now you're going to tempe to play a a ranked arizona state team and your backs are a little bit up against the wall before you start your first homestand that's an arizona state team that we took the series from a year ago it's been frustrating here because the losses that we've had how many have been but by one run uh, several we've had the lead in all six games i know that i mean this starts to sound like football where it's like oh we're we're this close to five and one or one and five and you know i it's hard to you know i'm tired of rationalizing all that at some point you just want to just get wins i'm just tired of talking about losses yep. but it's not all disastrous they're close games they're not bad teams that we're playing for cripe's sake so you just you'd like to get <laughs> no, they're not that's for sure you'd just like to get a stinking win here <laughs> and yeah. they've all been comebacks yeah. like you said too i mean we, in fact we've gotten come out you know really strong in a number of those games so i don't know i just i'm hoping they get it figured out and and the starting pitching hasn't been bad i mean dave as the season goes on you tend to play your starting pitchers a little bit deeper don't you like earlier in the year don't you kind of yeah, that's fair to say. That's fair to say. And so we've had some strong starting pitching. If we can get them to a point where they're pitching seven and eight innings a game instead of the five and six, and you know that can help our bullpen. Yeah, yeah. We we you still need build bullpen help though, and and that that can develop over time mm-hmm. too. Um, so it, there's a long ways to go. I mean, you typically play fifty some games, so. Uh, they've only played maybe one-tenth of their season at this point. So I, it, it may end up putting a little bit more emphasis on a, a solid Big Ten record, yeah. right? And we do have some some road uh, games this year where we go on the road to, I, uh, I, I think it's Michigan and, and Maryland, et cetera. And so we're going to have to win some of those, right? I, I think we got picked to be f- around fourth in the Big Ten uh, in a poll of some sort. And uh, that that should probably at this point it seems like Big Ten's more of a maybe a four big league plus or minus so that should get us there, um, but I think we're going to have to win um, maybe a, a few extra games of the Big Ten to make sure that we're in safely by the time the committee comes around in May. Yep. All right, good stuff, Honk. Uh, is there anything else that we uh, need to cover on this Redcast preview show? Well, you know, one thing I do want to just bring it up here, um, and I know we talked about football a little bit. There was an interesting tweet I saw from Chaz, and he broke down the fo- uh, football returning starters by class. I don't know if you saw it. 
And in 2016, uh, that recruiting class, we have Farniak, Colin Miller, J.D. Spielman, Bo Wilson, DiCaprio Boodle, Jojo Doman, Jack Stoll, Dismuke, and Stilly. So nine guys. Uh, 2018's class, we have Taylor Britt, Tanner, Williams, Martinez, Jurgens, and Pickering. That's six guys. And then right now we have two guys from 2019, Robinson and Mills. Do you know how many guys from the 2017 class, which would be Riley's last year, how many are listed as starters for next season? I have to admit, I have seen this tweet, and um, it does just bring home how bad the 2017 class is. Brendan Hymas is the only starter. That is correct. One. Yeah, one. Now, there might be. That is. Yeah, so that would be your redshirt juniors or true seniors right now. And that is where, you know, you can see what Frost did in that class this last year by bringing in a number of junior eligible guys to try to bolster and beef up some of the depth at that class right now, that junior class. And a year from now, quite honestly, we've talked about this. We're going to need to probably do a little bit of that again next year with the so- the current sophomore class, which is pretty small. Right. But once you get past that, and then you start to get into where we have our redshirt freshmen, the incoming freshmen right now. I mean, you start to get to where the, the classes start to normalize themselves a bit. But we're just still, we're just kind of in a little bit of a, a lull there in that, oh, that third to fourth year player uh, classes right now, those kind of sophomores and juniors. And, you know, that's just part of the, the transition. But, but we're getting there. But I just thought that stat really showed it. You know, it, it makes me think of a couple things. One is the pain of starting over, right? If any Husker fan mm-hmm. is is wanting to jump off this boat right now, take a pause because the pain of starting over with a coaching staff and a regime, I think is actually getting more and more difficult almost. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen this trend where, you know, if you don't make it in two or three years, you may get canned. But um, because of the early signing period and uh, the kind of fickle nature of recruits and the willingness to transfer. And, and if you have a one-time transfer um, opportunity that it looks like the NC is going to pass where you can just leave, um, this type of attrition to classes um, could um, even be magnified, right? And I, I don't know, you'd need to have Boomer or someone else who loves data and, and can crunch all these numbers just like what Chaz did. But I'd love to see like the Florida States and other schools that have gone through multiple transitions like we have over the last decade and look at that last year of a coach's regime and how many players ended up being retained and being starters. And then that regime uh, change class, which, I mean, Frost actually lost a lot of players, but he does have quite a few starters out of that first mm-hmm. year. But you're almost losing two classes to some degree at this point yep. in some way, especially if that one-time transfer rule goes through. And so, I don't know, I think it might have a few other schools take pause of kicking a, a coach out right away because mm-hmm. you were really setting yourself back. Yeah, well, th- you know, if you remember back to our very original shows that we did back in 2017, you know, Riley was still the coach. And Mac, the point of saying, you know, he really didn't like the idea of getting rid of Riley. And I'm talking kind of earlier in the season. He didn't love it because all he saw was we were going to have to start all over again. And I don't blame him at that point. Uh, it wasn't that he was fully supportive of all things that Riley was doing, but he was just like, oh, my gosh, we, I don't want to do this all over again. We just did it three years ago. And that is to the point yep. of right now, here we are three years in. The difference is I feel like we're on an upward trajectory compared to what Riley was doing in year three. We're not trying to sell this as a, a do-over in year three going into it like Riley was trying to do. 
this isn't the time to be, you know, preaching major changes and, you know, all the people that, oh, get rid of Shenander and get rid of this, you know, my goodness, but let's, we've got to stick with, with what we're doing. We're doing the right things, stick with it, keep getting better. And if we're sitting here in two years having the same conversation, then it, maybe it's time to talk about, you know, major changes. But I don't think that we're going to be in that situation in two years. No, I don't think so either. Uh, that's the hype. Uh, there for you this go. Show, There's right? all the hype. <laughs> two years from now, we're going to be better. Uh, and if we're not, you'll never remember me saying yep, this. Absolutely. So. <laughs> all right, Honk. Uh, you have a parting shot that will take us out of here? I have a couple of parting shots, uh, as usual. And they were both uh, social media things that we did. First one was, uh, this was totally, I wasn't expecting anything like this. Somebody sent us a Vanity Husker license plate. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I just forwarded it on. I did on Facebook and, and Twitter and said, hey, you know, if you guys have Vandy license plates and you're from out of state, you know, send it send it to us. And I'd just like to see it. And we just had a flood of them come in. So then I put them all into one big graphic and put a license plate around it and it really kind of took off. I was really impressed. So thank you, uh, Redcasters, for, for sending us at 15 states uh, were represented. I think we had 45 plates total. But, uh, yeah, all over the country, you know, plates from all over. It was very cool. Um, and the other one, and this is, I don't talk a lot about my personal stuff or my personal account. I'm, I'm honky at MP Husker on Twitter for anyone that wants to follow. But my son, Alex, he's uh, seven years old, and he's on the autism spectrum. And a couple of years ago, we took him to the spring game. It was the Tanner Lee game. And I just was not thinking very well that day we we got we rushed to get there we got there at the last minute there's a ton of people you know it's eighty thousand people we barely get to our seat and then boom fireworks are going off and and the tunnel walk and he did not love it and i did not do a good job of preparing him for it right and so for the next two years if i tried to drive him even by the stadium he just would lose it he hated the the place that he hated more than anything in the world was memorial stadium and in the last year, we've been able to get him into the stadium to, to take him back there, and he's starting to kind of get into it more. And so I, I just posted things on Twitter saying we bought our spring game tickets and we, we got a third. You know, we're having Alex come along. He seems like he's excited about it. And what was really cool is, you know, Boomer kind of always jokes about the cesspool that is, that is Twitter and social media. But what was neat was all the response, positive response. I mean, to zero negatives. Everything was very positive. And people just being very supportive and go get it, Alex, and go get them and, you know, have fun. And, and, and it meant a lot. And it is really cool. I'm really excited to, uh, to get to take them there. And I mean, I don't know if we're going to make it for a quarter or two quarters the whole game. I mean, but, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And, and I'm going to be a better parent and more prepared this time, uh, to, <laughs> to have him be ready for, you know, what will be 70 plus thousand, uh, people there. So that's awesome. Thank you to, to everyone that responded. Yeah, Alex is a great kid, and uh, that's a great story, Honk. Mm -hmm. All right, good stuff. Well, uh, just a last reminder, make sure to check out the entire Go Big Red cast crew. That is uh, myself, Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Mac on the Varsity Club podcast, which uh, comes out on Friday. Is that On it, Friday, and you should be able to get that on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, or you can go to hailvarsity.com. They have they have all the uh, the links there. And we'll post some stuff to our to our social media as well on, on Friday, but... Yeah, just a, a ton of fun, and a big thanks again to, to Derek Pearson, Dr. Petey over there for uh, having us on. That was that was really cool. Yeah, I had a great time, actually. I enjoyed not being the host. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs>